welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Today is Friday, August 6th, and we've got a great show for everyone today. If you like what you're listening to, go ahead and check us out on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Leave a five-star review on Apple. Helps us go up in the weird old algorithm. But forget about that. Let's talk about today's episode, a great one. I'm going to be joined by uh, Andrew Radcliffe, Big Dog, to discuss the MLB trade deadline and look ahead towards the end of the season as the race for October is really heating up, especially in the NL West. We'll talk a little NL East as well. Um, And then later in the show, I will be joined by Peter Gonzalez to talk all the latest MCU news, ranging from the Scarlett Johansson versus Disney lawsuit, the What If series that's coming out, some Spider-Man 3, Black Panther and a little more, so you guys are going to want to stay tuned for that. But I, however, will be starting with a little NBA. I'm going to react to some of the things that happened at the free agency, some trades, some signings, of course. And yeah, this is episode 113 of the Pineapple Couch. Let's ride. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about with NBA free agency is um, not really a free agency acquisition, but it was the trade of the Lakers sending Kuzma, Harrell, KCP, sent him away to get Russell Westbrook from the Washington Wizards. Shout out to the Washington Wizards for somehow getting off that John Wall contract that like 13, 14 months ago everybody in the world thought would not be tradable. But here they are getting some assets for Russell Westbrook. They send him to the Lakers, um, pairing him up with obviously LeBron James and Anthony Davis. The Lakers also add Malik Monk, Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, the best team from 2009, if you could send these guys all back. But uh, the Lakers are going to be a serious threat in the West. Um, I don't really like the Russell Westbrook signing, but let me explain that. In terms of the regular season, Russell Westbrook is going to be electric for the Lakers. On the nights where you don't want to have to push LeBron, who's old, and Anthony Davis, who, let's face it, is a little injury prone, when you don't want to push them and have to ride them and make them expense effort early in the season, that's what Russell Westbrook is for. He can score 30 points a game in a stretch in February against the Magic, the Timberwolves, yada, yada, yada. He also can do it against good teams, I'm saying. But for the purpose of the regular season, I think the Russell Westbrook acquisition is great. It is great for the Lakers. In the playoffs, that's where it gets tough because I don't think Russell Westbrook is a winning basketball player. I think it is as simple as that. I think in an NBA playoff setting, he hurts you more than he helps you, whether it be his dumb shot taking these long twos that are contested that never go in I mean he's the worst volume three-point shooter in the history of the NBA and you think about successful teams that have won around LeBron for the most part you're surrounding him with a lot of shooting the Kyle Corvers of the world Ray Allen and on like Kyrie Irving Kevin Love obviously Uh, so I don't I don't love the Westbrook in the playoffs with the Lakers because the other thing Russell Westbrook is insanely athletic we know that That doesn't mean he's a good defender. He's not a good defender. He's not. So are we supposed to just solely buy into the fact that Russell Westbrook is going to somehow be a effective off the ball player because he is playing with LeBron? And I know LeBron has a lot of sway and can get the best performances out of some guys. But Russell Westbrook, we've been saying this whole his whole career, he'd be a great cutter when he doesn't have the ball. He'd be great at setting screens, running pick and rolls. He does the rebounding and stuff, but when he doesn't have the ball, he's a net negative because for the most part, he just stands there. Is that going to change is the question because for it to work, it needs to change. 
And a lot of people, I think, think it will change. But this is just the reminder that we've said this before. Russell Westbrook has never changed. I mean, for the love of God, that OKC team, 2015, or 2016, excuse me, they they should have won the finals. And it was him, and it's it's been him throughout his entire career. I do not think he helps your team in the playoffs. So that's my Russell Westbrook rant. Um, on the other signings, I think Dwight Howard's a great pickup for them. He was effective for them when they won the year before. He seems to really like playing there, and I, I think he's an upgrade, honestly, over Andre Drummond in that situation like they had last year. I like the Malik Monk signing. I think he's a great shooter, and there will be times this season, like how I was saying, Russell Westbrook will be super helpful in the regular season. There's going to be times where Malik Monk is going to surprise us without how much he's going to be able to score and shoot the three ball. I think he'll be pretty effective in the playoffs. I'm not comparing him to Russell Westbrook in that way. But this is a big test for Malik Monk, who's been kind of buried in Charlotte for a few years and had a lot of hype coming out of Kentucky. He was paired with De'Aaron Fox, obviously. So I'm really looking forward to see how he embraces this role with the Lakers because the Lakers are losing Alex Caruso. I'm not saying Malik Monk is the defensive player Alex Caruso is because obviously that's not even close to being true. But uh, maybe that shooting is what they're looking to replace with him there. Um, Melo and Ariza. Ariza is a walking corpse and is kind of a douchebag, so that's my take on him. Carmelo Anthony, um, you just you're not winning the finals if you're really depending on Carmelo Anthony. He can be effective shooting and playing like some spots the four, but I mean teams are gonna hunt him down over and over again in the playoffs because he is not an effective defender. He's not too fast any. He's not fast at all anymore. And he's never been a very high-energy defensive player. I mean, you go back to the years in Denver, maybe, but that's quite a long time ago. It will be interesting, however, to see him and LeBron paired up and see if LeBron trades away his best friend like he did with Dwayne Wade. Um, so, yeah, the, the Lakers, it should be interesting. Um, I think they are definitely the favorite in the West, for sure, for the regular season for me. Um, but I think in the playoffs, they can be had, whether it be the Warriors, a, a Nuggets team, the Suns again, uh, potentially the Clippers if Kawhi is healthy, but that doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Um, but so, yeah, those are the things I'm keeping an eye on with the Lakers. Another team who made some big moves in this year's free agency was the freaking Chicago Bulls, ladies and gentlemen. So they go out and they get Lonzo Ball, their point guard. And they also go out and, in my opinion, overpay, I think it was like three years, 85 for DeMar DeRozan. Um, I do think that's an overpay massively, but DeMar may be able to be effective this year for them. Um, And they also pick up Alex Caruso, pry him away from the Lakers. And I think that's a great pickup. I think he is a valuable player who has proven that he can be a rotation player on a championship team, and he does the dirty work. He's great defensively. He's a great shooter. I like that pickup for the Bulls. So with the Bulls, we're looking at their starting lineup now, ladies and gentlemen. Lonzo, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, Nikola Vucevic. Yes, the Bulls did not play that well last year once they got Vucevic, but I would associate that a little with Levine, him not being healthy, dealing with COVID, that sort of stuff. So I'm optimistic about this year's version of the Bulls, but as, as optimistic as I am, there is a ceiling on this team in terms of what they can do in the Eastern Conference. I mean, even if you get a great year out of Lonzo Damar and Zach Levine, are we really going to sit here and act like they could beat the 
Brooklyn Nets or the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks? Could they beat the Heat, who just added Kyle Lowry? Are they better than a 76ers team led by Joel Embiid and whatever they get for Ben Simmons? Are they better than the Hawks with Trey Young leading them to an Easter Conference Finals appearance? Are they better than a new-look Celtic team with a new coach with Tatum and Brown maturing? I think they're right in this conversation, and someone I didn't mention is the New York Knicks. They're right around there, too. So while I like the moves for the Bulls, I mean, best-case scenario, we're looking at a 4-5 seed with them. Maybe I'm a little low on that, but, I mean, I don't see them really, really, really competing with the top couple teams in the Heat, like with the Milwaukee, Brooklyn, I'd include Miami, Philadelphia. I don't expect the Bulls to be, but I could be wrong. So we'll watch out for that. Another thing, huge pickup, and this is why I have the Heat kind of in that three slot right now in the Eastern Conference. They add Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, longtime friends. They finally uh, get to play with each other down in South Beach. It seems like Kyle Lowry really enjoyed that weird year for the Raptors where he got to be in Tampa and he enjoyed that Florida weather. So he's going to join the Heat. Uh, We're thinking about the lineup for the Heat right now. You got Kyle Lowry. You got Duncan Robinson. You got Jimmy Butler. You got P.J. Tucker. You got Bam Adebayo bringing Tyler Hero off the bench. The Heat lost Precious Atuya, Goran Dragic, and I think a pick for getting Lowry. I really like this uh, this acquisition. If Kyle Lowry can um, stay Kyle Lowry and avoid aging, I know you can't avoid aging, but avoid a step down in his play, I think this could be huge for the Heat, and I do have them in that 3-4 range in the East. And while I wouldn't favor them against Milwaukee or Brooklyn, that doesn't mean I don't think they could put up a hell of a fight. They could. That team has got some real good ball players with Lowry, uh, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. They re-signed uh, Duncan Robinson. And then the P.J. Tucker acquisition. I think he was a little overrated in the playoffs because when he was like, oh, he defended Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant scorched him, and he did not shoot well from three. But you can't deny he is valuable with the way he just mixes it up and makes life hell on the opposing team. And that'll fit right in in Miami with the Pat Riley plan. Um, So I like those moves for the Heat. A couple other things I want to go over. Jared Allen got massively overpaid. Five years, $100 million to go to the Cavs. Jared Allen is a nice player. Don't get me wrong. But you are overpaying a center like Jared Allen. If you you could honestly replace him with a combination of like JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, who you're paying minimums to. Not trying to shit on Jared Allen. Good for him. He got paid. To me, unless you are truly like a game-changing center, talking about the Embiid's, the Jokic's, the Adebayo, what we saw from Aiton, that's where you start to get those numbers. I don't like paying paying Jared Allen that much. But again, you're in Cleveland, so who the fuck are you going to get? CP3, back to the Suns. We knew this was going to happen. He got a pretty big deal. Three years, around 100 Hundred hundred twenty million. Uh, the not all guaranteed though, so it does seem like a lot, and that he's gonna have to earn some of it. So if he is to soup like regress a bunch from last year, it's not gonna be the full contract. But I mean, I don't think anyone's predicting that to happen. CP3 could have probably a couple good more years in him. So we'll see what they do there. In Phoenix, running it back, uh, the Warriors. They had obviously Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody in the draft. Kaminga, a raw young prospect who has a very, very high ceiling and fell to them. So 
the hope with him is he could be a potential superstar, but on the other hand, he's very raw. We don't know. Moses Moody comes in as just a great shooter, a guy who is 19 years old, but we expect to play right away. I like those two draft picks for them. And then I like getting Otto Porter Jr. for the minimum. Yes, injury concerns, but he can shoot the ball and he is a smart player. And when you're talking about this signing, I don't think you can be that critical because what he's playing, he's going to be the eighth, ninth man on this team. And then they get Bajelica. Dude, I'm not even going to try and act like I know how to pronounce his name. He was on the Kings for a while. Then he went to the Heat. Nemanja Bajelica. And I know that's not even Belitza is probably how you say it, I think. And I feel like a dick, but I just never know how to pronounce his name. But hopefully he can. He's 6'10 and can shoot three. So if he's really good, I promise I'll get his name down. Um, Some other stuff I want to get to before we get to baseball with Big Dog. Reggie Jackson, Nick Batum, Kawhi. Back to the Clippers. Good news if you're a Clippers fan, obviously getting those guys back. Now it's just kind of a waiting game of what you can do when Kawhi is not healthy this season and probably not coming back this year. Or maybe he is and you're going to try and set yourself up for his return. Um, I don't know if they're a playoff team without Kawhi Leonard all year. Paul George would really have to go off and you're depending on Reggie Jackson to be what he was in the bubble or not in the bubble in the playoffs last year, which maybe he is. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, The Knicks. They add Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. They also re-signed a bunch of their players, but if you look at the contracts, it's nothing too long-term, so they are able to shed these salaries theoretically and get involved with some free agents if that were to happen. Um, I like the signing of Fournier. I think it was a little too much money, but I do think it. the problem with the Knicks last year is, yes, they were a great defensive team, and yes, they were fun to watch, but outside of Julius Randle and Derrick Rose in the playoffs, You don't really have that many playmakers. You're banking on R.J. Barrett eventually becoming that. But when you add in two guys like Kemba and Fournier, I think they can be very valuable to your team and take a lot less pressure off of Julius Randle and get him some easier shots and make life a little little easier on him. And hopefully we see uh, another good year out of Julius Randle. Kemba has been obviously up and down with the injuries. Fingers crossed we can see him be healthy. I think, though, there is a little less pressure on him here than it was in Boston. But again, this is the New York Knicks, and everyone thinks he's going back to prime Kemba because Kemba's so good in MSG. Not sure how it will work out. I do like it. If I was the Knicks, I would have done what they did. Um, But, yeah, it remains to be seen how that'll all work out. Last thing, folks, before we get to Big Dog, what the fuck are the New Orleans Pelicans doing? What are they doing? The Drew Holiday trade, looking back on that, that was dumb. Congratulations, you own Bucks first-round picks. They have this dude named Giannis who's going to be the one of the best players in the league for the next 10 years, so that pick is never going to be below 25. You're picking 25 through 30 with those picks. Congratulations. And you gave up a stud in Drew Holiday, which who I don't know why you wouldn't want it to have been around Zion. Then Zion says he likes playing with Lonzo Ball. And you can't re-sign Lonzo, so he goes to the Bulls, and you do a sign-and-trade with it that gives you Thomas Sadoransky. Okay, no no offense to Thomas Sadoransky. That is not that exciting, and he's nowhere near Lonzo. And the New Orleans Pelicans are just blowing it with Zion, almost worse than they did with Anthony Davis. They get Devontae Graham to come in from Charlotte. I think they had to give up a pick for that. I don't even like that because I don't think he's a good distributor. I think he's just kind of a shoot-first guy who's not going to really be good defensively. And Lonzo was the best defensive player probably on New Orleans last year, and now he's not even there, and they were a shit defensive team. That's tough times in New Orleans. Um, Yeah, tough times. For Zion might not 
re-sign his rookie deal. He might just say, fuck it, I know I'll get paid one day, which would be unprecedented, but can you blame him with how they've built around him? I mean, it's just a joke. It is truly, truly a joke. I mean, I like Valanciunas. I don't think he's a great fit with Zion. That never stood out to me. So we're going to need to see a lot of defensive improvement, and maybe the Pelicans are better this year without Stan Van Gundy. Who knows? This has been the NBA segment. Stay tuned. Big Dog will be joining momentarily to talk MLB, the Giants. The Giants are hot, baby. Chris Bryant, welcome to the Giants. Let's go. All right. Be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. And we got a good segment here. We're going to talk a little MLB trade line. Trade deadline was just about a week ago. And uh, the race for October is in full gear now as we're in August. And to talk about that, I'll be joined by the man on the logo, my good friend, Andrew Radcliffe. Big Dog, how you doing? If you asked me a week ago, I was doing a lot better. Yeah, I, you're, I don't you're know down. I, I've, I have a lot of mixed feelings that we'll mm-hmm. jump down here. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to your San Diego Padres and Mr. Fernando Tatis Jr. face of baseball. But first, let's just go through this MLB trade deadline and highlight some of the big moves. Obviously, I mean, the biggest move in terms of the most intimidating and scary, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner going to the Dodgers. I mean, Andrew, we see all these rumors. We know that Scherzer is the Dodgers are targeting him, right? So are the Padres, so are the Giants. I mean, I think the Yankees might have been as, or Red Sox might have been as well. Red Sox, um, and not only does he sign with the fucking Dodgers, Andrew, because the Dodgers just keep keep adding, keep adding. They lose Trevor Bauer and shit. They'll just replace him with Max Scherzer. They also get Trey Turner, which I know the Nats are doing a bit of a fire sale here, big dog. But that hit me out of left field. That's just another all-star they add to their infield. I mean, what do you think about this whole situation? So it really stings because uh, the trade – Actually, or the day before, whatever it was, Ken Rosenthal tweeted that the Padres. You hate you hate that man. I hate him. He technically didn't lie. They said they were really close, but either the Nationals used the Padres as leverage to get a couple extra prospects, or vice versa. The Padres are like, okay, we can offer that. Maybe you know, make the Dodgers give everything they have up. But Mm -hmm. I mean, they got Max Scherzer, who's a Hall of Famer, but then they got Trey Turner, who the Padres drafted. In 2014 or 13, oh, whatever it was, stinks. and they traded him. He was part of the Justin Upton trade, some uh-huh. deal in 2014. And so I even saw rumors after that the Padres were actually trying to get Turner as well, but they just didn't have the prospects that the Dodgers have at this point, at least in the higher end, or they weren't willing Ooh. to part ways with Bohr or something like that. But I mean, it's the absolute worst. You're, I mean, you're this close, and for four or five hours, I was. Like, I think he's going to get it. I think he's going to get it. And then I text you like three or four hours. Like, all right, I'm getting a little concerned now. Mm-hmm. And then I see all these fake tweets and then it happened. And- it happened. It, uh, it was Scherzer's first outing there in Dodger Stadium. I mean, he throws t- 10 strikeouts, gets a curtain call by those crazy Dodgers fans. We'll talk about that in a little. But that certainly sucks. Um, that just really is deflating because Max Scherzer is Mr. one of – 30 games, almost 30 games over 500. I feel good. So Chris Bryant to the Giants. We can use that as a transition. That, I mean, Andrew, was it a month ago on this pod? I was saying that would be great. And I mean, that's not 
at like me seeing the future or anything. Everyone wants Chris Bryant. I get that. But he has been jumped into this Giants team, and he's exactly what they need. A little story for you. Yesterday, Giants down 4-0 in the top of the ninth to the Diamondbacks. Watch this. Chris Bryant starts us off with the double. Scores. We have somehow fucking tied up 4-4. Who's at bat first in the top of the 10th to knock in the runner on second? Chris Bryant, another double. And that was just, I know it's the Diamondbacks, and we're in mid-August, but or early August. That's exactly why you get Chris Bryant if you're the Giants. I know his stats are down a little this year. I mean, what the fuck was going on in Chicago? That's a conversation maybe for another time. But, I mean, that's a huge, huge accusation for, accusation for them. And it it's hard to, like, I'm very optimistic about this Giants team. They're very, very good. They're The way they are hitting the ball out of the park. And maybe they will be in yeah, and that's, this has never really happened even in their three-title stretch. But the weird thing is I am a little worried about the pitching because pitching, as we know, is so important in the playoffs. And me, for all these years, when I haven't been as into baseball, basically I'd go and bet on the MLB playoffs solely based on pitching. Max Scherzer terrifies me. Would you try um, – let's say the Giants are in the what? Hypothetically, if they played a what, would you rather have Johnny Cueto or Kevin Gossman? See, it's terrifying that that's actually a close that that I, I think about that because yeah, if you think about Cueto's contract in San Francisco, he's overpaid. Blah blah. blah. He's been pretty good this year. Gosman's been elite this year. There's a little part of me I don't know if I fully trust Gosman. Is this a flash in the pan? I mean, he's been so good for this whole year, so you can't really say that. But I guess I have to go Gosman, Andrew. But it's not an easy decision. Giants. Still, they're really okay. I mean, everyone's yeah. in the Giants. They're still three and a half up, and by the way, they have. I think they've won every series after the All Star break. Yeah, so it's have. not like they've beat the Dodgers. They won that series. They won they the series. The Astros. The Astros, and then they beat the Diamondbacks. Like, and you don't care yeah. if it's the Diamondbacks. You won a series. Yeah, you're seven and three in your last ten. And I was sounding a little pessimistic there, and I want to like correct that. I, the Giants are overachieving, and it is fucking awesome. They're a fun baseball team to watch, and I do think the way. They can rally with two outs or late in games down. will translate to October. That's something that, for whatever reason, the Giants are like that. And they're not going to let you – they're not going to go away. And that's huge for the playoffs. It's just I need to be realistic. And at the same time, in our same division, the Dodgers can have a series with Scherzer and Bueller, maybe each pitching twice in a seven-game series. That's yeah. fucking terrifying. Uh, Urias coming in from the pen to take care of three innings there. It's the only thing that scares me is their late bullpen. I mean, they have guys that can get, I mean, they have starters, four starters that can go seven to nine innings easily. And then they have like Urias, Tony Gonsolin's of the world that are kind of like the two, three inning relief pit- pitchers. I don't trust Kevin Jansen at all. I mean, it's been oh. three years of this crap. And I mean, it literally. Anytime he faces the Astros, anytime he faces anyone that has some kind of rivalry with the Dodgers, he gives up runs, dude. And the same he thing happened. Came in with four runs. Tucker takes him deep. And he he's him. the he's the type of pitcher, and it's weird to say this because he obviously had a great career. But at this point, when you're rooting for the opposing team, which is every Dodgers game, you're happy they bring in Kenley Jansen. It's, you're like, oh, sweet, we got a chance here. It's, and most that could bite them in the ass. I don't care how Max Scherzer, all this stuff they have. Yes, the Dodgers 
are the favorite to win it all right now, even though they're four games behind the fucking Giants. But if he fucks it up, that could be their kryptonite. And there's relief pitching. It's a bitch, but that could really fuck them. 3.27, it's not that bad. I mean, it's really not that bad of an era, especially when it was 2.9 before he blew the or gave up a couple runs. But it's every time it's against the the playoff caliber test or playoff caliber teams or games that mean a little bit something more. And it's I love watching it crumble. It's the only thing I got. Yeah, that's what we're rooting for at this point. I I, I do think that uh, we're in for a hell of a race to October here. Not only just that, the playoffs, I think, this year are going to be very, very fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, Let's talk about a team that was for, I believe, the last three or four months, Andrew, in first place in the NL East. They had Javi Baez at the trade deadline, pairing him and Lindor, the New York Mets. Um, Jacob deGrom, I know he's dealing with a bit of a shoulder injury, is what they're saying. Maybe elbow, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, you got Pete Alonso. So they have a good squad. They're 3-7 and in their last 10. And the Braves... And the um, the Braves and the Phillies, led by Bryce Harper, are knocking at the door. Is it panic time in New York, Big Doug? Because, I mean, first of all, though, comment on Baez, and then what are we talking about panic-wise? So, I think Baez and Lindor, that will be... That's sick. Easily one of the best infielders now, or infields. Um, really, I mean, just Baez, Rizzo... And Bryant, they're all so freaking good. Any team could use them. They could play anywhere. I just don't trust the Mets in getting the Mets September, or that's when DeGrom's coming back in September. Mm -hmm. He needs to be the exact version of himself and get five starts. Otherwise, the Mets aren't going to win. For the Mets to win, he has to put on one of the best pitching performances of all time, right? I mean, he has to do what he was doing in the beginning and go 5-0 in September. And And then carry them in the playoffs. And carry him in the playoffs, absolutely. Because I don't think they're not getting Thor back. I mean, Carrasco is an okay pitcher, but I like some for some reason. I still kind of like the Braves, I, even though they lost Acuna. That's wild. They've just been playing so well. They've made a lot of like trade deadline. Yeah, moves. how's Peterson it's, doing for him? So he's doing okay. He's Jack Peterson. He's a cock. But <laughs> Dodgers. Yeah. But, I mean, they lost Azuna and Acuna, and they, like, replaced. They made a couple of little small trades, mm-hmm. and they'll be just fine. And they're playing Is it well. Freeman who's just leading Freeman's the charge to them? Absolutely. He's probably going to win MVP, I would assume. All right, let's talk about that then, because we just brought up the Phillies, where Bryce Harper is going the fuck off for them. So, right now, in the National League, DeGrom's been hurt, so we can take him away from that MVP. Tatis Jr., unfortunately, we'll talk about this a little more. He was, looks like he's sidelined for, if not the rest of the season, a while. Kind of takes him out of the MVP race. So we're looking at Andrew here, a stretch of basically Freddie Freeman, Bryce Harper. But at the same time, the same time, I would just like to say, I'll be annoying. The Giants are 69 and 40. They have some players who are playing very well. There should be names in this. You bring up Brandon Crawford, and the way Brandon Crawford has been getting RBIs and been clutch this year, I think he's a great point. I think the easier sell to is going to be maybe Posey, though, because he's hitting three. I'm just saying what I see in the Giants' like 
mentions on like all Giants fans say Posey. They say Posey, Posey, Posey. And Posey's been great this year, but Crawford has been at another level in terms of knocking in runs. Um, but I will say, as great as the Giants are, and I, I kind of I think they're going to finish in first, knock on wood. I do not think a Giant is going to win MVP. I, yeah, don't, I don't think, think a Dodgers going to win MVP either because the Dodgers have nine MVPs. So how hard yeah, it's is like that? Kevin Durant and Steph being on the, the same reason team. I bring that up because right now, like you said, it's top three or Tatis Jr. It's not going to happen if he's hurt. Max Muncy's the second. There's no way Max Muncy is the best player in the National League. He's um, good. He's not even the best. Remember who Brian picked to win the NL MVP before this year? Did you say Max Muncy? You're motherfucking right. I did. That's so weird. I don't. I have a weird thing way to predict things that I somehow don't make money off too. And then like, third. I, sorry. <laughs> it's two. It's Trey Turner. Third. Trey. What? Yeah. That's how good that's I mean, that's how good he is, Brian. He's that good. They literally just got an MVP. Mookie Betts so, won it a couple of years ago. Who would you rather have, Trey Turner or Chris Bryant? Trey Turner. I'd rather have Chris Bryant. Trey you know, Wood. I gotta say really quickly, I wanna say um Chris Bryant wore number twenty three in high school and co- college. So that's like his big thing. He wore seventeen in Chicago. And as you guys know, big fan of Philip Rivers here. We got some Philip Rivers news we need to get into as well. I thought he was going to wear 17 in San Francisco, and that was going to be the coolest thing of all time. But he wore 23, which is fine, which is fine, which is fine. Um, Andrew, let's talk about uh, next this Dodgers-Astros series. Go off. You have some thoughts, I know. I mean, let's, let's just put this out there. Okay, this if you're a Dodgers fan and you're listening to this, I don't think you're the type of person that is doing the things, but maybe. I don't know. Dodgers fans are pieces of shit. I mean, you saw like a, this is insane. a lot of videos. Look you, it up on Twitter. Literally people. like headbutted the dude who was just that walking was wild. And then he kept attacking him and he was like knocked out. Anyways, that's a Dodger game. But my main thing here is this I want to say, I think do they, the Astros don't deserve an apology, but do they deserve that like, hey, yeah, yes, we cheated, but we're amazing. Everyone, everyone who was a part of that core of cheating. You go George Springer, you go Atuba, you go Correa, you go Bregman's hurt right now. You go AJ Hinch and Alex Cora. Yeah. Everyone that's involved in that, killing it. Absolutely killing. And so I just think it's very ironic that yeah. players are all very, the Ashes are the best lineup in baseball. And the Astros are going to the World Series. Astros are going to play the Dodgers in the World Series again this year. Well, that will be certainly a very calm seven-game series, at, or the four games or so that will be in L.A. I um, I do think that the Astros, like, the, here's the big thing with that. Manfred and the MLB just fucked up so bad by not doing anything, really. Like, I guess they did a little bit like you what yeah. we needed they needed to do I mean, something and bring the hammer down. And then we could just kind of in a way moved on move on from this because you're not you're an idiot and you don't understand baseball if you actually think like the only reason the Astros won that series or their success was because of them cheating. First of all, everyone is trying to cheat. They were obviously doing it in a more obvious way, but 
We're not They're saying fucking that loaded, saying dude. That with all the Jose Altuve hit a home run that was pitched like a foot over his fucking head. And then, then like, I mean, Correa, I mean, of course they lost the game, but it's like, because Joe Kelly and Correa have a history. Yeah. Correa goes yard again. I mean, the guy. He's the most hated dude in out. baseball, I think. Yes. Carlos Correa. I think he's taking it from Manny Machado, so good for him. Yeah. Manny's a good guy. Yeah, Machado, good vibes. Pro Machado. Vibes. But... Um, what do you think about Frazier joining your Padres? Tim Frazier? Adam Frazier. Todd Frazier? Tom? Adam Frazier. Adam, wow. Todd Over Frazier three. is the guy. He's on the Olympic team, but he used to play third base. Tim Frazier is a, a like a third string point guard in the NBA, so there we go. Adam Frazier uh, joining uh-huh. that infield. I mean, a little bit of Tatis insurance, right? But they're not doing that, really, from what I've heard from you. It's so weird because it's like, I mean, it's nice because Tatis got hurt, so Frazier is an infielder. They definitely, it's not the worst thing ever to have the NL hits leader come replace Tatis. But they played the A's this week, and they had a DH, they didn't even start him. They They did not start the NL hits leader, and they had a DH, and I just... I don't understand, and Tatis wasn't there. So someone try to make sense of that. Yeah. To me, explain that to me. I don't know. And you just gave up a couple prospects for this guy. And you say the Padres with no Tatis have lost their complete vibe. I mean, that's just it's the heart and soul and energy. They kind of have it. Machado can do it, and Hosmer can do it here and there, but it's just they're completely different. They're flat. Nope. They lose that pizzazz. They lose that energy, and, and it's weird. They were about to sweep the freaking A's, and they lose. Melanson blows a three nothing lead, and it's like, oh my god! And then you have an off day, and then the Giants win, and then the Max Scherzer wins. You're sitting night. seven and a half back right now. You are still in the lead of the wild card. It's only three games, though. And three games good. on the red Reds, and um, you're like what up like six on the Phillies. Uh, yeah, it's it's you, you guys need a spark. You need someone to step up. I mean, I one would assume Adam Frazier was going to be that, but like maybe Cronworth. Machado needs to do something. I don't know. Machado's been playing so well though, so it's hard to like say anything bad about him. Pretty much, it's like their pitching's been horrendous. Their offense yeah. is just if Blake the Snell. It's Blake Snell. The pitching, the whole team ERA has been six the past month, so that's not a recipe for wins. If the Padres landed Scherzer, would you be thinking World Series? Yeah. With or without Tatis? I still, I'd say, yeah, because they're that good, and then the Dodgers want to have them, and the Dodgers want to have Trey Turner either. Yeah, it's that's a good point. I mean, it's ridiculous. It literally went from the Padres getting him, and then they just got two MVPs. It's pretty fucked up. And then Tatis got hurt the next day. Yeah, it's but tough, really tough times. The Padres, San Diego yeah. curse. The next 15, 20 days. If they don't go off, they won't make the playoffs. Because they have a very tough September schedule, as you were showing me yesterday. I mean, every series, for the most part, looks like it's against a playoff team, except the Angels. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, the same Andrew... Braves, by the way. Oh, okay. Really? It doesn't matter, because they're in fourth place. I'm just saying the Braves are one game out, and the Angels are like 12 games out. So NL East is the worst division in baseball? Right now, yeah. Interesting. I didn't know the Angels were actually doing that okay. Um, maybe because all their fans leave in the fifth inning and they have a bunch of rocks in center field that make no sense, and watching an Angels there game makes is. me want to kill myself. Um, that says he's got it. Uh, okay. Uh, whatever. 
Did I decide we're 17? I got a soft spot for that. Oh, so he did. he did. So that's okay. Um, Andrew, you said Dodgers Astros World Series, which I will counter and say Astros Giants because I, I just can't. Do you think, like, gun to your head right now, the Dodgers catch the Giants in the regular season? Or are you thinking that the do you think the Giants might hold on to this? Because you have your faith in the Dodgers long term. They are down four, and the Giants are still playing very well. What do you think? Problem is, I've been saying, like, oh, the Giants, like, I mean, come on, like, next week they're going to start rolling up. They haven't. They're 30 games over. They have a four-game lead with 50-ish games to go. I would say the Dodgers are going to win, though. Okay. You think it's going to be close? Absolutely. You don't think the Giants are going to roll over? I think it's going to be. No, I think it's going to be, be very close because four games isn't that much. But no, it's one know. series. I mean, they just you get you play them again, then you get Scherzer, Kershaw, Urias, Bueller. Yeah. Um, the Giants then, really, really to beat the Dodgers. They need Chris Bryant to be MVP. Chris Bryant. Yeah, they that do. changes everything. They need that, but I mean, the Darren Giants Ruff has been hitting the shit out of the ball. What is going? These guys on the Giants just hitting the fucking shit out of the ball. Literally makes no sense. They're not good. Wilmer Flores. I don't don't think any of them are good. Gabe, my guy, who Gabe Kapler, manager, who I never had a doubt ever in. I was always in on this guy. Not even for a second. Can't believe I'm saying that. I know it's wild. And for the record, I did have a lot of doubts. Um, and I can't. I'm. I'm happy to be wrong in this scenario. We got he's all trendy and hip now with his tight pants. Gabe Kapler. Um, last thing, Andrew. I mean, I don't know how we didn't lead with this. There are rumors in this great world that Phil Rivers, Philip motherfucking Rivers, might make a return. And he's staying in shape due to the Carson Wentz injury in Indianapolis. And Andrew, why'd they do this to me? Why did they give me this hope? Because now it's all I'm thinking about. It's terrible. That's this very main to you. Um, give me Phil though. How lit would that be? I think One like last 40, ride, like forty, fifty. I mean, really, if Carson Wentz is out for even a month, why wouldn't you want the guy who I mean, that went eleven and five last year? Yeah, he he's was a gunslinger. Like that is a great backup option to go. I'd rather have Phil than Carson Wentz, but Phil chose to retire. Would be such a great story. Did you? you okay, on signed an extension today too. Josh Allen, the stallion. Shout out to him. He's a motherfucking beast. He gets so much shit. Like I saw people in their like initial quarterback rings for this year. They put him at like seven, eight. It's like what? Put him at like three or four. He's so good. Um, but there's one other thing I wanted to talk to you about in terms. Oh, how weird is it, Andrew? Like I feel bad for Carson Wentz in this way. Before the Phil rumor came out, but basically right when he gets hurt, motherfucking Nick Foles starts trending. And he's like talking in press conferences about how he'd work well with Frank Reich in Indiana. Nick Foles is kind of an asshole. Like, does he not have a contract or like, is he not getting He's on the Bears. I think he's third string. He makes over $100 million, doesn't he? Yeah, he got overpaid for that playoff run for like four straight years. But I just kind of am starting to think he's an asshole because he's like. Can't, who's campaigning to literally go replace Carson Wentz again? The richest backup quarterback ever. Yeah. Super Bowl, though. 
Yeah, I mean, because yeah, Joe Flacco, but he was never a backup, but he got paid. Joe Flacco got paid, but there was that put playoff where Joe Flacco looked so good. Ever. It was Ray Lewis's play. Yeah, but you, Joe Flacco, he's like, awesome. when Joe Flacco looked good because he's so tall and that stuff, I don't know. It just looked very good. Um, I'm very excited for football, Andrew. We're about we had preseason football last. Yesterday? Yeah, I watched it. I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't into it, but it, I, wasn't I was too. It's nice to see football again. Yeah, I missed that yellow line. I, I, I love it. Ben DiNucci was actually kind of entertaining to watch for the Cowboys. Um, last thing, I know I keep saying that. People are very, 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 very high on Dak Prescott. Like. He's, I listened to three people game, talk right? on the Ringer NFL show about how he, all three of them thought he'd be a top three quarterback in five years or four years. And they cited his decision making, which I'm not it's not I'm not knocking Dak. I just people are very high on him. And I just part of me I mean, thinks just he hasn't played a game since he like snapped his ankle yet. Right. No. And he had a shoulder injury early in camp. I just am not a big believer. Like, I don't know. I think he's. He's, had all he's a good quarterback, but he's on the Cowboys, so everyone wants to make it seem more, right? A hundred percent. If I mean Dak Prescott, the third best quarterback in the league. No. I mean, because I could. Wouldn't you rather going forward than Dak, rather, right? If I said you could have Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence or Dak Prescott, and you have you seen Joe Burrow just get hurt, Trevor Lawrence not play a game, and you've seen Dak Prescott, I would take Lawrence and Burrow. Yeah, I'd go Burrow Lawrence. Whatever. Yeah, That's I think God. I would I would go Burrow Lawrence. I'm really excited to see some Joe Burrow this year. Yeah. It was a bummer to not see him last year, but I kind of enjoyed it because our they boy Herbert got Rookie of the Year. Hitted him, man. They were, every game they were in it with Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were fun to bet on with that. All right, uh, Big Dog, we will talk to you next week. Um, best of luck to your Padres in the coming days. A lot it's on the line. Fuck the Fuck the Dodgers. Um, That's our vibe. Uh, Big dog. Always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. All right. Welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. And we're going to talk a little MCU, some Marvel rumors um, here for the rest of today's episode. And to do that, I will be joined by Peter Gonzalez. Peter, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Excited to talk about marvel news as opposed to just a regular yeah recap a lot more free flow in this week we have some not so great news to start off with but then we're gonna go into a little preview of marvel's what if animated series that comes out next wednesday august 11th then we'll talk a little bit about spider-man 3 rumors some black panther 2 wakanda forever stuff as well as some stuff that uh leaked out about the upcoming hawkeye show that will be coming out at the end of this year. Peter, let's start, though, with Scarlett Johansson versus Disney. Uh, we got a lawsuit, basically. Basically, from what I have gathered, is it was in the contract of ScarJo that uh, she gets a certain amount of money per the theater release, how much money they make from that. And um, when it goes to streaming, she does not get that portion. And it was in her deal, basically that it wasn't going to go to streaming at the same time as the theaters. And Disney um, obviously went back on that and released Black Widow on Disney Plus when it came out in the theaters as well. 
A lot to unpack here, but ScarJo is suing Disney. And it is important to note that Kevin Feige is on ScarJo's side. And before I go to you, Peter, I will just say this. This is word for word in my notes. Fuck Disney. I don't want to hear their pandemic excuses because it just takes a quick Google search to see how Disney dealt with the pandemic and how many pandemic and how many people they fucking laid off. And the idea that ScarJo should be the one to take this financial hit on the chin and not Disney is just ridiculous. And I mean, it's a terrible way to treat someone who was so important to the Infinity Saga and is a great actress. So that's that's my take. Fuck you, Disney. <laughs> You always just get right to the point. Yeah. Very straightforward. You know, it's a really interesting situation and really messy because this is essentially the type of war that music kind of went through when they went to streaming. Now that movies and theaters are experiences being broken into at home and at the theater, the landscape is changing. And I think that this lawsuit has a lot of really interesting points. I think the fact that Scarlett is doing this after Black Widow's release. So essentially, she's technically free and has nothing to lose at this point because Black Widow, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Endgame, but it's like if you're listening to the podcast, you probably watched yeah. Endgame. Yeah. So, you know, her character is basically done. Say for maybe a cameo here or there. Yeah. But again, and she didn't she bring it up during the release of the movie to like take away the spotlight from the own movie, which I thought was important to say yeah and she waited until after they announced how big it was too if you think about it it's like this was a big opening granted it wasn't the big it wasn't it's on the lower end for an mcu movie but but again pandemic there's a lot of factors in that and also Mm -hmm. the sizable portion that disney was very proud of that went to streaming so here you have the situation where also noted is that in her contract with marvel stuff like this is supposed to be behind closed doors I read that that it's not supposed to be in the public eye per her cream with Marvel. But in this situation, she has nothing to lose at this point. Yeah. And she essentially has the goodwill of the audience as well. Because, like you said so eloquently, Disney has really done a bad job during this pandemic. And these movies exist because of the actors that are in them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it, I, I just really don't like Disney. Like, and it seems like simple to say that, but I mean, just Disney sucks. If you look how they act as a corporation, just everything they do, the idea that this freaking corporation is trying to generate pity from us for how they had to deal with the pandemic is just shows how out of touch people like that are. It's like, no, totally. And I think that what? It's I so think it was dumb. so well done how Scarlett's agent, Brian Lord, who's one of the co-chairs of Creative Artists Agency, like one of the major players in the industry, called out Disney's attempt to put the pandemic as a way of saying she's already got this amount of money. She doesn't need more money because that's not the, what's at stake here. What's at stake here is more along the lines of when, when music, Taylor Swift took her music from Spotify so that other artists could essentially until they were all fairly recouped. And then Spotify Mm -hmm. changed the way they did their royalties and so they could bring her back onto Spotify. So this is that kind of thing, I think, where Scarlett's doing a move that will impact other people, like, you know, Emma Stone and Cruella, or even Emily Blunt in 
Jungle Cruise. We know The Rock, if you've seen his Instagram statements, is pretty much on Disney's side and isn't going to yeah. ruffle any anything. feathers there. Yeah, it, it's 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 sad because to see how, because of all the situations that arose due to theater closures and that sort of stuff, that they used this movie in ScarJo as a guinea pig, basically, for post a post-pandemic theater, theatrical experience. And... That's fucked up that they did that, but you got to think at the same time, the people are seeing this. The people they theoretically want to cast for Wolverine or Phoenix or Storm or all these big MCU characters that are going to be coming with the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. You're trying to get all this talent. And that's why I think Feige is so pissed because he's like, you can't treat them this way because if this person if these people see that we're going to trade scarjo this way after everything she did like why would you want to go get yourself in a situation to work for disney when you're not scarjo and you saw how she treated she was treated and that's why i thought it was such a bad look the way disney kind of like snapped back at her i mean it is because that's a great she's gonna win she's gonna win it's i think it's it's inevitable that it's gonna turn in her favor because like you said it's marvel and marvel is the probably in between Star Wars and Marvel, those are the biggest properties that Disney owns that are not in-house Disney things. And it's like, if this kind of situation is happening at Marvel, where, where you want to have a future and continue things, this isn't going to bode well for them. And then what's interesting is, if I read correctly, Shang-Chi is not going to Disney Plus. But Black Lives They say now. So but they say like, now. Which, again, would be another battle because I think that movie needs to be seen on a big screen. Yeah, and it's I for me, I think it, it it's important to note that I like that it comes out on Disney+. Plus. I enjoyed that. That was, like, really great for me. I like to watch... I have a big-ass TV. I know sometimes I watch it on my fucking phone because I'm a weirdo, but I have a big TV, and I'm fine sitting my ass on my couch and watching it. But at the same time, even though I like that, it I still see like ScarJo's point. But I do think, in a certain way, like ScarJo, yes, she may win some money here. This is a train that's not going to be stopped. Movies are going to come out at the same time on like streaming services for the future. No matter how much money she wins, is... this is happening. There's nothing she. But can. I th- and I think what this can do is. Because, as you pointed out, the, the landscape is changing for a movie-going experience. This is now going to potentially change the way contract negotiations are done oh, and yeah. the stipulations that go into them. For example, I mean, Netflix doesn't do the whole box office cut or whatever because Netflix pays you as if your movie is a box office hit when, it, when you sign up on upfront. So they're not saying, if you make this amount, if it's a hit, we'll give you more money. They're like, this is a hit. Here's your giant bucket of cash basically yeah. i mean that's how they get the talent that they get over at netflix because they are very upfront throwing money and around and i think disney is still new to this whole streaming yeah. thing so they don't they're not navigating it as well in a way that other studios have done because i did hear like movies that are on hbo max they did sort of renegotiate their contracts because of the, of the dual release so I, I think this is disney falling behind and needing to catch up 
mm-hmm. but it's in a very public and ugly light. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this story like kind of develops because there not that much has really come out from it. No one else has really really said anything besides what we've heard about Feige. Dave Bautista kind of made fun of both ScarJo and Disney in a very Dave Bautista way. So exactly. I take it for what it's worth. Um, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how this shapes up. It just kind of sucks because in my head this closes the door on like nat returning in like some sort of secret wars like different version of her walks through a portal five years from now with steve and tony and i'm just worried if this bridge may be burned i feel like that is definitely there's a 50 50 chance because if the sony spider-man disney deals any indication there is a way to work through things in the on the studio level and it can be done so i think that damage control is what's currently probably happening behind the scenes at Disney. And I think that they want to go forward and attempt to restore goodwill, especially when we said this is one of the OG Avengers. So it's not like it's Captain Marvel who joined in late or whatever. It's like when a recognizable face of a major franchise has been in the the MCU longer than Steve Rogers. Or Thor. That's telling. Yeah. Or Hulk, because they recast. Literally, the only two people in the MCU today, three people, that were there before Nat, were Tony, Pepper, I guess Don Cheadle, because he was in Iron Man 2, so him, and then Thunderbolt Ross, and I guess Nick Fury, so five. But that's like, that's for how big that universe is. She was there right at the beginning in Iron Man 2. Um, Let's move on now, Peter, to... What to expect in What If. Um, So, off the top, this is going to be some sort of canon. Is what I've been led to believe. The breaking of the multiverse. This is where this What If is kind of taking place. Because that just all happened. And I do expect to see some, not all, characters or plots in this move into our live action MCU. And the main person who we've heard is going to do that is the person who will be at episode one, which is Peggy Carter becoming Captain Carter, her becoming like the British version of Captain America. It's been said that she's the only character who's going to like reappear in each season of what if, and her story will keep going. Um, She's Peter. She's heavily, heavily, heavily rumored to be in Dr. Strange too. Multiverse of Madness coming into the live action. Um, and in this show, we all or in this episode, we'll also get a Steve Rogers appearance as the Iron Monger type Iron Man thing and Bucky Barnes. What are your thoughts on the implications of what if specifically with Peggy Carter coming into live action? What's interesting is that if you watch the Legends, the Disney Plus Legends thing, which helps you prepare for each show if you're not a massive super nerd like us yeah there is no clips of the agent carter series in peggy carter's recap Mm -hmm. story so in a sense it's almost like they're kind of dismissing that in a sense because of the fact that we are going to get captain carter peggy carter Haley atwell really coming into this role in a way that brings a character to light that wasn't necessarily at a forefront it was very much one of the kind of original side characters 
even though she was one of the founders of S.H.I.E.L.D., she was connected to Sharon. So it'll be interesting to see that brought in. I think it would be quite cool to see it in Doctor Strange 2. I think that that movie in itself is probably more loaded than Spider-Man No Way Home. Wow. It's a bold statement. Because of the rumors. I mean, we'll get to the rumors, but like, there's just so much that's going to happen in that. But I think it's interesting. I've read the interviews where the what if writers and everything have said that there is the potential for things to bleed into the live action, whether it be series or whether it be in, on the big screen. And it's I a great testing ground for ideas. And I think it's a really cool way of doing that because at first I was like an animated what if like what how is this going to work? But the more you they more they've been releasing clips and trailers, which interestingly enough, they dropped like a big trailer the same day as the ScarJo lawsuit. Which is yeah, like damage control. kind of a, it makes sense, but it's a bummer. But I think that this show could have very interesting arc in a way of having a, like I said, the Captain America type character from a different lens. Yeah, I think this uh, Captain Carter, we're going to, she's going to stay around for a little while in live action, I think. I think she is going to be around for a while, which will inevitably lead to, here I am dreaming, but her interaction with Steve Rogers. As Captain America, I think which my would head be would dope explode. if they're both Captain Americas. You got Sam there, maybe too. <laughs> that would be lit. Um, other things we know about what if episode two will have T'Challa as Star Lord, him and Yondu versus like an evil version of the Collector, and this is like the last Chadwick performance. Him as uh, him as Star Lord or Star Lord, yes, in this What If series. So that will be something to look for. And then episode three is going to be Loki on Earth, maybe potentially winning in Avengers 1. Not exactly sure what's going to go on in that episode. Uh, maybe it might relate to the Loki series. I'm not sure. But uh, that's when I've heard things are shit's really going to hit the fan is after episode three. That would be really exciting to see because we've gotten a taste of that, I think, in Loki and to some extent, WandaVision, in a sense, just glimmers of what's to come. But I think this really dives into that we are going full-on multiverses, have been existing at the same time. Things are a mess, and things are starting to break and crack. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so the implications of this show will be um, very interesting. And I think how I want to cover it, Peter, is we'll do it every two weeks. So we'll have two episodes to talk about. Um, maybe at the end we do it a little more frequently, depending on how it goes. But I do enjoy having these like free flowing ones, so I think we'll alternate with that. Out, yeah, yeah, I, I like think that would be good. Because I think because there's so much news constantly coming out too that it kind of keeps us up to date with what's happening while still mm -hmm. recapping. Yeah, and we can keep everyone in on the loop so we don't go on tangents about stuff that we haven't explained yet. So that's what we'll do, folks. Let's now jump from what if to Spider-Man Three rumors. We've talked about the Spider-Man 3 rumors, folks. The other Spider-Man coming in, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, the Sinister Six, Willem Dafoe, Alfred Molina, Jamie Foxx, yada, yada, yada. We know we're all on the same page, but that's what we've been hearing. But one, I want to kind of talk about a couple different things in this today, Peter. Doctor Strange involvement in Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes, this is helping set up the multiverse of madness. It is, though, rumored, Peter... That's in some way that Peter Parker's immaturity or a mistake that he makes in this movie is going to be what 
breaks the multiverse potentially. And I just want to plant a flag in the ground right now. Please no. That's so dumb. Don't have Peter Parker being a dumb teenager break the fucking multiverse. I think there's so many better ways to do it with more powerful characters. I don't mind if he has a role in like a little crack of, oh, shoot, he let these people go. But if something he did shatters the whole multiverse and it wasn't Kang or Wanda, I just think that would be dumb. And I don't love the, oh, Spider-Man's an idiot type things that they do with Holland. They do it a little. And I like Tom Holland to Spider-Man, but they kind of play into the, yes, he's younger and Spider-Man is immature, but they kind of play him as an idiot sometimes. And Spider-Man's not an idiot. So that's, I don't want that. I'm very passionate about that. Well, as I have learned and as I will stand by, I will join that flag. And I think that we've seen an arc of Peter's growth. And I think we did see him screw up in Spider-Man Far From Home. And I think that that's been done. It's it's happened. I think, that if anything, he will play a glimmer into it. Maybe let some people out or something. Because I think that it's the unit that's been it's been weakening. I think between Wanda and Loki and now Spider Man, I think it's just been weakening. Mm-hmm. I don't think he will fully do it because I it's been done. I think there's other yeah. arcs for him. He's incredibly talented as an actor too. So it's like. There's the rumors of certain characters maybe dying, and I've seen yeah, that name. Yeah, that's my next. That's my next well, note. Yeah, so it's page. like he's gonna have a lot to grapple with, and I think that logistically and just if you've been watching this movie, this is the third one. He wouldn't make the same mistakes he made in episodes one and two. Like, yeah, it, it's it, there has to be growth, and I think that the shows have shown that the characters are growing. So I feel like it would be a misstep for sure if he massively screws everything the entire multiverse yeah thank you thank you we're on the same page there um so another thing that's come out about this movie is that uh it's been long rumored that one of mj aunt may or ned will die thus leading to peter becoming very very angry and winning but like almost killing someone potentially but we know he's going to deal with some sort of tragic loss in this is what we've been kind of told. I ask you this, Peter, because they filmed alternate endings, so no one knows who's the one who dies. Do you think it will be MJ, Ned, or Aunt May? So I'd like to throw in a fourth name. Happy? Happy. Oh, don't do that to me. I think Happy is a strong contender. I oh, that's think, another person who's been around since the beginning of the MCU. I think that has a massive contender because... Oh, if they kill... They can't kill him. They can't, Peter. They the can't. emotional impact of that... I think a happy death... That would is, kill me. Not a happy... Like, a happy's death is a bigger impact than any of the other three. I think what makes MJ a strong possibility is that Zendaya has literally skyrocketed since the beginning of spider-man to now she's also in the dune movies that are going to be a series in themselves she's like getting bigger and i think similarly to how why i think emma stone was killed off in amazing spider-man again she was getting too big for a series type role or like jennifer lawrence in x-men 
like once you start getting so big, you often don't want to still stay in this. That being said, I think my money would be on happy to be the mm. one to that would have the biggest impact on Peter because he's been that. another strong like adult character that's been There's there. Another him. Uncle Ben dying on this guy. God damn it. Okay. I do think as much as I hate that, I don't hate the I, I hate the idea, but I think you're right. Because I just but I think you're right. Like there is that that would suck. That would kill me. I, I don't want that so 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 much. But who here's how I will phrase this because I do think we're gonna see Spider-Man driven to a point it's a little darker than we've seen. Like he's going to be pissed beating the life out of someone. And when you look at these three names, or four, include Happy, which death would cause that the most, the most rage? It's Aunt May. And there have been a lot of references that this will relate to the Spider-Man One More Day comic series in which his identity was revealed and May was killed. My money right now is on Aunt May, and I would say that I think Zendaya will be in the next one, but I think her mind will be erased at the end, and she is not going to remember Peter and be like, think just he's some normal kid and not know he's Spider-Man, not know about their relationship. And we'll see Gwen Stacy at the end of this movie, some other blonde chick. But it'll be weird. Like, she's going to forget something. That's my theory. And uh, Aunt May will probably die. I, that sucks. But that's my... What do you think about that? I totally... I'm, I really think MJ is going to forget her, like, relationship with Peter because of something to do with him trying to get people free Spider-Man. And he's going to be like, was it worth it? Because that also happens in One More Day. So I like that. I like that aspect. I really like that because that'll really mess with, I think that messes with him in a way that isn't immaturity and like all those other things. My only concern with Aunt May being the one to face an untimely demise is that we haven't had enough with the character to warrant, to worry. You, you really, you've had, their relationship hasn't been fully, there's been other characters where it was just kind of like, that They're banking like, on what we know about Aunt May and Spider-Man's relationship. Like how they didn't have to do the Uncle Ben dying because they yeah. knew we knew that. So that's the thing. So they are. If that's the route, then there is the assumption that the general audience is aware of the strong And they build it up in the film, I bet, which would make it even more heartbreaking. That's true. That's a very strong thought. Okay. Okay, I think I can join that bandwagon. I just feel like happy... I think happy is just as likely, if not more likely. Unless the only reason I'm not die. joining your bandwagon. That could happen. I just, that would break me. That I would, would not me. put two deaths. Pa- I, do you think, okay, so I have, well, I think three people could die. Like, I do don't you know. Think I think one Chick of the Spider-Men really will die. No, uh, maybe Toby. I think his, this great transition there, Peter, my question to you. Am I dumb for thinking Andrew Garfield is going to stay around? No, because I, I, I think that would be cool. I would. I, I think yeah. he's going to be. I think Andrew Garfield is going to have a role here in the MCU. I don't know exactly how they'll do it. I just have a feeling Andrew Garfield is going to be important in a way. And I'm down for it. I like Andrew Garfield a lot. And I think you, his character... 
is different enough from yeah this Peter Parker where it makes sense because when we talked about it on our very great Spider-Man comparison recap show, which you also mm, should check that out. Haven't. We did talk about how Andrew Garfield was such a great Spider-Man. He was just too cool to be Peter Parker, but to be th- his cool Peter Parker as a mentor figure to our Peter Parker, I'm down with that. Yeah, I think that. I mean, like, so if we were to say Aunt May and Happy died, Peter would need someone to take to have or to look after him in a way. And I think we could see Andrew Garfield potentially take on that mantle. So on that note, who if there is the death that pushes Peter to the edge, who do you think pulls him back from the edge? Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Or Toby. It, it, one of the I, two. One of the two. That's I'm very. I'm, I don't think it'll be Doctor Strange. Um, could it be MJ? Maybe, but I don't know. I would put my money on Andrew Garfield. And I think I, that makes sense based on the Gwen Stacy death in Amazing Spider-Man Two. And I from. Another reason why I think Andrew Garfield will maybe be more prominent, and again, I could be wrong, at least in this film. Everything we heard about them trying to get Tobey Maguire into this movie was that Tobey Maguire was a nightmare to deal with. And apparently Andrew Garfield, it took like a 30-second phone call. He was like, yeah, I'd love to. Because like, he's so, one of those people that loved the character. Like He, he loved, loved it. it. He got him. screwed, too. He it's got just, yeah. so screwed with a lot of that. So I'm really excited to see him come back. Um, let's now jump to another highly anticipated movie. We'll talk uh, Thor and Doctor Strange 2 next week. We'll go to Black Panther Wakanda forever right now. The big question, who should be the next Black Panther is what I want to talk about. But first, I want to have a conversation with you. Let's have the T'Challa conversation. Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. Unbelievable man, great actor, fought through unbelievable circumstances and gave us great movies. They have said that they're never going to recast T'Challa in the MCU. And most people are very down with that. I would just like to say, because I don't hear this, it is a huge loss for the MCU, obviously, to lose Chadwick Boseman. That's the biggest loss. But in terms of just strictly taking away emotions and looking at the comics and the stories. It's going to, it sucks to not have T'Challa. And so that's why I think there should have been given a little more thought. Like maybe we do recast somehow because he's just so it's now going to become where it's just Wakanda will take on the role basically of being that important, but it's just, Maybe there's nothing they can do and it just sucks because life sucks, but not having T'Challa and their like refusal to think about recasting, I think it's a conversation that should have happened a little more than it did. And I, you so, could completely disagree, but no, I just... Well, here's... I kind of... I see where you're going with and I do understand. And it is interesting to see someone so tightly interconnected with a character portrayal and the reaction i think because this movie resonated so much with so many people 
because this movie took on a life of its own, so to speak, the characters, the Oscar nominations, the people, you know, thought it was the greatest superhero movie, which is a whole other conversation. But I think that because <laughs> because it exploded. That's the end of the conversation. It's not. <laughs> because it exploded to such an unattainable yeah. level. They were left with no choice for how to do it because people would riot or not riot. They would just be so like it would they be wouldn't hard. like them. It would be impossible for them to like the new T'Challa. I think you the one way to go about that is to do the multiverse. Yep. And so then that... you introduce the character that way. Which it could happen. It could potentially it happen. Could happen. Don't know about that. And, but we're just accelerating the storylines. Then who should be the next Black Panther then? Because I think I told you my, if it was up to me 100%, who should be the next Black Panther, it would be bring me a variant of Killmonger. A good variant. A variant Killmonger that's not dead, that grew up in Wakanda or something and has to, and that his Wakanda has a T'Challa and so he sees one without it and he goes and helps, theoretically. Um, that would be my number one choice, but it, I mean, I'd be willing to bet like ten grand that it Shuri will be the Black Panther. I think it's going to be Shuri for a lot of reasons. I think there will be that. It makes so much money, Peter. If I could bet on this shit, oh my god! <laughs> I think that. Why do I um, bet on football? Sorry, football. I love you. Sorry, Peter. Keep going. <laughs> um, I think that. Uh, I think that it, the story-wise, it's going to be cool, you know, see different people attempting to be Black Panther. I think that's the route they're kind of going to go. I do think that Shuri will get it very much in a role of, like, in the way that Peter has taken Iron Man's mantle, so to speak. And I think that that has the potential to land in a way that Captain Marvel didn't, because it's not going to be a forced female hero type story it'll oh, yeah. be and she, we've built like a a love for shuri like she's a gr- funny character audience like her and she's like a super smart character too like mm-hmm. she's one of the geniuses of the mcu so i think it's there i think that they will nail this movie i don't think it'll 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 miss the superhero landing at all i think that this is and i think it's a way to sort of also connect it to the new generation of the Yelena's, the Kate Bishops mm-hmm. that are well, coming up to kind of take on roles. Going off of that, I, my sources, I can guarantee that Riri Williams will be introduced in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, who's going to be Ironheart. She will be introduced in Black Panther Forever. They filmed at MIT for that movie, and that would be why Riri Williams went to MIT. So guaranteeing that, Brian Robbins guarantee. Um, and then I also I want to ask you this question before we move on. Do we think we are introduced to Storm? And before you answer, can I give you a way that we could meet Storm? Yes, please give me your way. We're going to get a flashback, basically, and find out that T'Challa and Storm were lovers. They were in love when they were younger, and basically they had to separate because T'Challa needed to take on the mantle of Black Panther and be king of Wakanda. And he needed to, like, he couldn't, he didn't have time in his life for that. And so at T'Challa's funeral, a woman will show up and tell all of this to either, like, Okoye or Shuri. And that 
person will be Storm coming back into the fold. So, yes. All precedented in comic books, too. I know I shouldn't even say that anymore because that's all, I I always do that, but yeah. But wasn't Nakia his growing up? T'Challa could have two women. Who knows? Can't keep this <laughs> okay, man that's down. True. It's the Black Panther. He's the king of Wakanda. <laughs> okay, then okay, yes. Okay. I like the idea of the funeral. I like I like a good funeral introduction, like on any show, any series. Give me a funeral with a character showing up. I'm hooked. I think because Michaela Cole was cast in the into Black Panther Forever, I think that's that's pretty telling for her to play that role. And I think to bring mutants in again, let's do it. Let's go. Yeah, I'm ready. I want it. Great, done right. op- great opportunity to do it with Storm and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. All right. Next thing I want to talk about, Peter, is Hawkeye. Hawkeye, it, the Hawkeye show on Disney Plus is set to premiere this fall. Um, it kind of leapfrogged Miss Marvel, and Miss Marvel yes. looks to be coming out next year or something. And no offense to big Miss Marvel fans, could not care less. So excited we're getting Hawkeye before that. Um, I just beat the Avengers video game, so I do. I played as Miss Marvel for what it's worth, so we can calm down there. Um, but Hawkeye, uh, a couple of rumors about it. If we're going to get the introduction of Kingpin in this show, and not only like Kingpin, but the Vincent D'Onofrio, I think his name was, from the Netflix. So that Kingpin, who was a great Kingpin, being introduced in Hawkeye. Kingpin's just a great character, and I'm very excited to have Wilson Fisk in the MCU. Um, obviously we were teased that Yelena is going to be in this series. What are your expectations for this series, Peter? My expectations were honestly drastically low at the beginning. When this one was announced, I was like, okay. Um, though I will say, I think the addition, I think the Kate Bishop addition will be an interesting dynamic. I think, um, Haley Steinfeld will bring a good, is a really talented actress too, so I think she'll bring something to that role that will play well with Jeremy Renner's portrayal. That'll be good back Hawk. and forth banter. I feel like, which is what Marvel does well. It does the unlikely buddy team ups mm-hmm. super well. I think that Yelena's int- addition to this made me much more excited after seeing yeah. Black Widow, and I think she's going to bring something to it. That again, I'm curious, is this Hawkeye series a one-off? Is this going to be similar to WandaVision where it's like, we're, well, we're letting go of Vision, so here's his, you know. Yeah. Um, one thing I think is interesting is that basically if you watched Black Widow, the only thing for the future of the MCU it's set up was Hawkeye. Which is kind of wild that a movie solely is just leading into that Disney Plus show. So maybe there is something big planned. And in terms of this being a one-off, Peter... There's two questions. Do you think Clint will survive? Do you think he'll retire? Because I do think this is a one-off. How's it going to end? Because he's going to pass on the mantle to Kate Bishop, right? Pretty easy to read the tea leaves on that. Do you think I he's think going he to die potentially or retire? I would lean retire. I don't see him dying because it's like you didn't die on Vormir. You don't get to die over here. Like, I'm not here for that. I think that he needs to, it, retirement makes sense. His character's arc has always been he's want, 
He's wanted the family. He's wanted that life. I think that that's the logical sense. My question for you is, do you think you will ha- there will be something in this show that is the equivalent of Black Smashers? Mm, I mean, God, no, hopefully not. But uh, if so far the two enemies we know about, theoretically, for this show, one is going to be Yelena, who's awesome. And not really, I'm sure they'll get that solved. Don't think Yelena's going to kill Hawkeye. So that's better than the Flag Smashers just right there. And then if this Kingpin stuff is to be true, Kingpin is fucking awesome. If Kingpin's goons are the guys they're fighting and stuff like that, Fisk Tower, all that sort of stuff, I think that is immediately setting it up to be better than the Flag Smashers, unless they just ruin it somehow i mean the flag smashers are one of the worst things in modern cinema it was so bad it hurts to think about the flag smashers truly almost destroyed the mcu all that goodwill they gestured just i'm I'm being a little i'm exaggerating but i just really hate the flag smashers and i have i think hawkeye will be better than falcon winter soldier which is crazy i wouldn't have thought that when they announced both shows that's quite the statement. I think I could agree with you on that statement, which also brings a second question to mind. Do you think we will see some of Hawkeye universe introduced in Spider-Man No Way Home? Since there is the rumored addition of a certain lawyer in No mm-hmm. Way Home. So uh, we're going to potentially see Matt Murdock, Daredevil, in No Way Home, which relates obviously to Kingpin and if Hawkeye is going to be on this kind of level where he's fighting in Hell's Kitchen, like a Daredevil Electra Iron Fist, we could see that. Um, I kind of wouldn't rule out a, uh, a cameo of Kate Bishop or Kingpin in Spider-Man No Way Home. I wouldn't rule that out because they're taking place around Christmas, both of them, so... I don't know. I, I think you could do a quick little flash like, oh, Kingpin's here when Spider-Man's on trial or something. It's like, oh, shit, he's around now. And Kate Bishop could help him out like in this one thing. And they like, I don't know. What do you think? I think so. I think or even Kate can maybe know MJ or something or Kate could. Yeah. Could know Gwen Stacy, maybe or because maybe that character gets introduced as well. Yeah. Gwen Stacy. I don't think it's a matter of if she'll be introduced to MCU. It's just when. Maybe they'll do it in the one after this. Maybe at the end of this one. I do think we will see Gwen Stacy, though. Um, last thing for the pod today. This is a, a question I did not prepare you for. Those are always good ones. What MCU character would you like to have on as a third co-host to this podcast? You got to think about consistency, scheduling. They're going to be available. They're going to be in the right mindset. They're going to talk. They're going to bring stuff to the table, Peter. These are the questions we need to be asking ourselves. Wow. I did not yeah. see this question coming. Yeah. I, I, do you want me to? I could start. Yes, let's have you go first. I can kind of set this up. So. Rocket Raccoon. Boom. Add him to the podcast. He just talks shit. He's totally someone I would get along with. He would hate the Flag Smashers just as much as me. Might be a little too much for you because me and him would just team up with negativity and like, rah, rah, but Rocket would be my pick. And I mean, shit, if that means that it's not actually Rocket, it's like Bradley Cooper joining us, 
Riley Cooper is awesome and he's beautiful. So fuck yeah, that would be great. You're 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 go. And I love the here it is though again another example. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. And Peter, he just doesn't, folks. Maybe that's what we talk about next week. Peter's hatred for the Guardians of the Galaxy. I do not have a hatred. <laughs> I have a lot of opinions about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, so. You know what? Let's, let me th- throw a curveball for you. I'm going to say... Um, Pepper Potts. Whoa. Kind of knows everything that's happening, but mm-hmm. also doesn't Not really know Gwyneth Paltrow, right? Just well, hold on. Let me finish. So then, by default, you know, if that means we get Gwyneth Paltrow, who knows nothing about the MCU, doesn't even know what movies they've been in in the MCU, that just means you and I are explaining a lot more and breaking it down on a level that people that are not as nerd as we are understand. I, she's kind of crazy, too, so I could just lie. And tell her things like, yeah, this happened. You were totally in this movie. It. You were in Yeah, there. you were in Thor Ragnarok. Uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, honorable mention, Vision. Um, you know, talk, talk well, a little ship yeah. of Theseus. Talk a little ship of Theseus. There we go. Got it out there on the last time. Um, yeah, so. That's, Bucky. That's, Bucky would be another good honorable mention. Bucky would be great. Bucky would be great. Um, I mean, obviously, Tony Stark would be fantastic. I mean, yeah, but I mean, he'd be more of like a an interview though, because it'd just be like, holy shit. But we just say nothing. We pontificate. Just yeah, that's all we would do. Um, all right, Peter. Always a pleasure. We'll be back next week to talk more MCU. Uh, maybe talk a little Venom Two trailer. We didn't do that today, but really don't care. There's not much to talk about. about yeah, Woody Harrelson's a great actor. I hope they just don't ruin it. Um, but they're going to. Mm-hmm. Peter, always a pleasure. Talk to you next week. This has been the Pineapple Couch. Thanks for listening, everyone.